Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I'm a reporter with News China. With our weekly News China podcast, we aim to give insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we continue to discuss about the findings in Sanxingdui Runes, Hair of Unbalanced Power. Among about 2,000 artifacts and thousands of fragments of relics unearthed in the eight pits of the Sanxingdui Rune site in Sichuan province in China's southwest, bronze masks and figurines have attracted the most attention. They are of unusual appearance and have particularly protruding eyes. Do they resemble the ancient Shu people of this area, or perhaps people from West Asia? or even further away, say, Egypt. Some even say they are images of aliens, a speculation dismissed by scholars. Some possible keys to the secret are not only found on their faces in the front, but also from behind. There are two hairstyles. In one style, the hair is kept upright by hairpins. In the other style, the hair is in braids which either go down the back of head or are in burns on top of the head. Professor Sun Hua at Peking University School of Archaeology and Museology has researched Sanxingdui for years. He thinks the bronze figures with the hairpins are theocratic authorities, while those with braids are secular authorities. There was a balance of power between the two groups for about 1,000 years in the Sanxingdui civilization. But in the late period of the Sanxingdui civilization, the power and the wealth began to tilt toward theocratic authorities. The broken balance sowed the seeds of Sanxingdui's destruction and abrupt disappearance about 2,800 years ago which explains the signs of man-made damage on bronze items in the first two superficial pits. Combined with other evidence such as geographic and cultural features of the Sichuan Basin where Sanxingdui lies, the professor came up with a proposition. He posits that Sanxingdui ancient city was destroyed due to internal conflicts and people there had to move to another place. In 2001, the ruins of a city dating back to 3,200 to 2,600 years ago were found in Jinsha near Chengdu city, the provincial capital of Sichuan. The Jinsha ruins are thought to be the capital of the ancient Shu kingdom, which later became a part of China's second dynasty, the Western Zhou, which originated along the Yellow River. When the Western Zhou lost control over and the respect of its vassals, the Shu declared independence. All this leads to a question which has been haunting researchers for a long time. A characteristic of Chinese civilization is diversity and unity. For example, the culture on the upper and the middle reaches of the Yangtze River, including the Shu culture, is one of the origins of Chinese Asian civilizations, and it is unique in many aspects. The development of civilizations along the Yangtze River was 
as sophisticated as or even more so than the other civilizations in the north along the Yellow River. But it was the civilizations originating from the Zhongyuan area along the middle and the lower reaches of the Yellow River that played a key role in creating the unity of the Chinese civilization in the following at least 2,000 years. This position is held in China's nearly all Asian historical records. But why did this happen? There are many answers to this question. The hairstyles of the bronze figures in Sanxingdui may provide some clues. More research is needed on whether the eight Sanxingdui pits unearthed so far are for sacrificial purposes. But no doubt, the artifacts there clearly suggest that sacrificial rites were once held there. This proves that worship of deities and spirits underlies the civilization there. The biggest bronze figure that is on public display in the Sanxingdui Museum has a hairstyle with hairpins. Normally in Chinese culture, the higher the status the person has, the bigger the size of their image in various forms of visual depiction. As we mentioned before, bronze figures with hairpins are likely to be theocratic authorities. The giant bronze figure with hairpins means that theocratic authorities held a higher status than their secular peers. In addition, sacrificial bronze items are much larger than some bronze dagger axes found in Sanxingdui. This shows that the theocratic power has supremacy over secular power in Sanxingdui culture. This may be a reason why secular aristocracies there rebelled and why delicate bronze objects were destroyed in the unrest. Sanxingdui city was ruined. Its civilization was lost to history in the end. While bronze was widely used in the Sanxingdui culture in the upper reaches of the Yangtze River, Jade is common in the Liangzhu culture going back about 5,300 years in the lower reaches of the Yangtze. Ancient Chinese people regarded Jade as a bridge between gods and humans. It seems that early civilizations along the Yangtze River were highly religious. They paid more attention to relationships between gods and humans rather than to relationships between people. Since the 1960s, the relics of the oldest palace in China began to be unearthed in Arlitou, Henan province, the main area of the Zhongyuan, which refers to the region and culture developed along the middle and lower reaches of the Yellow River. The palace dates back to around 3,770 to 3,540 years ago. Between 1999 and 2019, Professor Xu Hong at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences led the archaeological and research efforts on the Arlington civilization. He recently shared his views on the differences between the Sanxingdui and Arlington civilizations. In Sanxingdui, the state began to take shape, but worship of mountains and rivers and sorcery prevailed there. By contrast, worship of ancestors was more important in Zhongyuan culture. This ancestor-worshipping secular 
ideology paved the way for the creation and development of the patriarchal system. The patriarchal system is a political arrangement to hold on to the power and privilege of the ruling aristocracy on the basis of lineage. As history proves, paying more attention to politics bolstered the rise of the Zhongyuan civilizations in the middle and lower reaches of the Yellow River, while civilizations that focused on relations between gods and humans declined. Xu Hong believes more research is needed to explain why a politics-oriented civilization got the upper hand in the end. Some aspects of Chinese culture may help explain why this is. In an ancient historical book called The Discourses of States, there is a story. The Wu Kingdom destroyed the Yue Kingdom. Both were in the lower reaches of the Yangtze River during the spring and autumn period between the 8th and 5th centuries BCE. The Wu army found a giant skeleton in the Yue. Its bones were so big that it had to be transported by carriage. The Wu king asked Confucius what it was. Confucius said it was the skeleton of an ancient deity called Fang Feng. Wen Yu, the great, called up the dainties and vessels at Mount Huaiji in today's Zhejiang province. Fang Feng was late for the gathering. Yu the Great was furious and killed Fang Feng. As Fang Feng was the god of mountains, he was strong enough to protect his own skeleton from any offense. Although the area was ruled by different secular kings after his death, the real protector was Fang Feng, god of the mountains. Confucius' notes certainly were not true. The skeleton could be some kind of giant animal. But Confucius' remarks reflected that there was still a strong belief in the gods who protected states and people at that time. According to research by Zhang Taiyan, a prominent Chinese scholar at the end of the 19th century and early 20th century, there were more than 140 such God-protected kingdoms during the spring and autumn period. Rulers and the people of those kingdoms believed they were protected by the gods, so they focused on worshipping gods. They did not set up armies or police forces. They did not invest much in farming or preparing for war. They were not interested in dealing with other kingdoms. Given this, they did not have long-term strategies for their own development. They were very vulnerable to attacks from states which focused on developing agricultural and military power. It was nature that protected them from offenders for some time. The ancient Shu kingdom was a typical example. Oho, behold, how steep, how high, the road to Shu is harder than to climb to the sky lamented and exclaimed Li Bai, a great poet in the 8th century during the Tang Dynasty. This is a translation by Xu Yuanchong, a famous translator of the ancient Chinese classic literature, who just celebrates his 100th birthday. In this famous poem, Li Bai described how the ancient Shu kingdom was once protected by mountains from its ambitious, strong neighbor to its vast, the Qing kingdom. However, a few very narrow roads were built on the mountains later. 
as doing this on the mountainside was so dangerous and difficult, ancient people thought it was the result of a magical supernatural power. A popular legend at that time said that five extremely strong heroes from the Shu cut through the cliffs and brought the rocks of the mountains down. They did this to get a gold-producing ox and beautiful women for the king from the Qing kingdom on the other side of the mountains. But it was a trick of the king of the Qing. Li Bai's poem cited this legend. Although only legend, it was true that once the natural shield was broken, the Shu kingdom was immediately exposed to the threat of Qing aggression. The Shu was destroyed by the Qing in the 4th century BCE, and capturing the resource-rich Shu was crucial for the Qing to defeat all its rivals and build China's first imperial dynasty. 110 years after the Shu was occupied by the Qing, a joint rebelling force led by Liu Bang and Xiang Yu toppled the Qing. The two former allies then began to fight each other. Liu Bang was originally weaker, but his army went across the mountains from the Shu area and attacked the Xiang Yu's army on the other side of the mountains. Liu was victorious and defeated Xiang four years later to found the Western Han Dynasty. About 400 years later, the Han lost control of his empire. Three kingdoms, the Wei in Zhongyuan, the Shu in Sichuan, and the Wu in the downstream of the Yangtze River rivaled each other for supremacy. In the late 3rd century, the strong Wei attempted to capture the Shu state. Although the Shu army was much weaker, they took advantage of the shield of the mountains and kept the Wei army at bay for a long time. But then Deng Ai, a Wei general, led an army climbing a very dangerous route on the mountain where there was no Shu defenses. The Shu was defeated and quickly surrendered. In these two famous battles in China's history, Liu Bang and Deng Ai prevailed by completing a mission that was thought to be impossible by their rivals, crossing the mountains through untrodden routes on cliffs. Sichuan is easily accessible today, but the way to solve the riddle of the myth of the ancient Shu culture is yet to be found. That is end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Zhang Yue, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor Kathleen Nadi. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.